Hi everyone. Welcome to my podcast on climate change in India. My guest today is Shailesh Vikram Singh. Shailesh is a UP boy where he went to IIM Lucknow. He's an entrepreneur, a seed investor, and in his latest avatar as a co-founder at Massive, one of the first funds in India focused on investing in disruptive startups that are working towards a sustainable future. In our discussion today, we cover a wide range of topics. He cares passionately about poverty reduction, rural development and environmental conservation, but he has also seen the venture and startup ecosystem evolve in front of his eyes over the past two decades. Shellish doesn't shy away from sharing his unconventional views on how profits and impact are two sides of the same coin. The role of policy or rather the lack of it and many other things. Excited to have you with us today Shellish. Welcome. Hang on Shuman. So Shellish my first question to you is if you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself and also what uh, made you shift from uh, the traditional venture capital space that you were in into now investing in sustainability uh thanks shuman thanks for giving me this opportunity to talk about the things what i really passionate about so i have almost 20 odd years of experience into what you call startup stoke uh, venture capital investing i started my career with unit trust of india in 99 into their private equity division and then set up a, a dot com in 99 days so i was mad enough to get into that very early before everybody was thinking about it and we did build a brand but you know nothing great happened uh, so we ran it for 3 years we sold the company to cnbc tv 18 one of the things which we are advising the other company ran for it some time and was acquired by nri family post that i was md of a pe fund then i was the seed fund and uh, in the seed fund we are going to raise our next fund where bharti and i were the gps and we were on the road Uh, raising our next fund, where we have got almost half the commitment. So we had received close to thirty million dollars commitment, and were on our way to do the announce first close. And that time, it struck me that you know I am very passionate about environment. So when I was in engineering college in the age of seventeen, I have set up an NGO which grew to almost thousand people membership and became very large NGO in that area. and i was thinking that i am very passionate about environment but what i do i don't do anything about it at all and like everybody else i thinking that okay i will do it something post my retirement and for a change i should do what i really passionate about and when you are living in delhi you are really worried about you know delhi air all the time it is on your face and you see all the pollution you see all the you know uh, dirty yamuna river you see all what you call news about pollution and you realize that you are not doing anything and i realized that what i tell my entrepreneurs all the time that follow your dream follow your passion do something which you really passionate about the advice i'm giving to everybody the preaching i'm doing to everybody i'm not following myself and that point of time i decided to quit i thought uh, while we are almost uh, the fund was almost done i decided to say i think i should take this shot because i thought that was my last shot at the age i am and i thought why should not uh, focus on sustainability I also realized that the sustainability can be solved if we bring the what you call venture uh, thinking. Venture capital thinking is that a you th- uh, do things at a scale, b you use innovation to bring changes, which uh, everybody is talking about. And if you bring this venture capital thinking, probably you can really solve the problem. I also realized the whole climate change, whole pollution area has been what you call driven by only two discussions, which is policy or what you call uh, grants. 
So there's a one set of people who are the who talk about the policy, policy, and second part of people who are talking awareness, awareness. Which while the most critical part, which is innovation, is never mentioned at all. And I thought that is opportunity. And I saw the pollution not as what you call just as a problem, rather than a billion dollar or a trillion dollar opportunity. And the more I dug into this, I realized that this is the really a time because this is the one sector where the government has moved in. Where the people are moving in, but the VCs of uh, uh, investors are still investing. What you call ride sharing or uh, you know food delivery, and that's what the opportunity. That's why I came in. That's fantastic. Thank you for that introduction. So maybe we can jump directly into uh, what Massive is, and Massive is a couple of different things that I thought were fascinating. The structure that you have chosen. So maybe mm-hmm. for the audience, if you could tell us uh, what you have uh, going on there. Okay, so first the name. I think I chose a very audacious name. I wanted to make it very, very audacious uh, because that's where you want to attract attention, right? So we chose massive because massive is the massive problem, and that's why the massive opportunities also. We believe all the sectors on each own can become a hundred billion dollar opportunity. So why not create a very large name? Now we were the one of the first ones getting the sector, right? Especially in India, globally there are a lot of funds which are pretty active from partners group to uh, you know. Uh, some fund done by Bono. There are a lot of people who are working on this, but in India nobody was doing this. So what we we thought that we launch a fund, and luckily we got Vijay Shikhar to come on board. But before launching the fund, we also realized that you need to build the ecosystem. Now, if you look back the whole uh, uh, what you call climate change or uh, pollution ecosystem, it is like 2006 in India. If you go back to 2006, the venture market was totally broken. There was hardly anybody, but the ecosystem started getting built up that time. So you got uh, Thai starting up, you got Indian Angel Network coming in, you got Mumbai Angels getting very active, and we saw a lot of deals happening, right? And that saw the building of a unicorn like Flipkart. Way back in 2010, when the Flipkart deal was done by Tiger, I think they wrote a check out some 10 million or 20 million. I think everybody went crazy. They said, "Oh my God, what a bubble! Are they mad?" Everybody thought that the Tiger Global is mad, right? But it took some people from US to come and discover Indian e-commerce market. Ten years later, seventeen billion dollar the deal happened, right? And uh, now today, unicorn is not a big thing. I remember when Redbus was being sold; it was a hundred million dollar deal. Everybody said, "Wow!" Uh, no, it was around one seventy billion dollar deal, and everybody was wow. And today, a billion dollar deal is okay. I think that is the shift which has happened, and the shift which happened is because of there was a whole ecosystem was around it. There was ecosystem of investors, there was ecosystem of what you call mentors, and obviously the new funds which are coming in. I think the pollution sector also needs a similar approach. Now, pollution sector is also a little more complicated than the uh, normal VC world or normal tech world because in normal tech world, you just need a code or an app or a website. You go live. You don't worry about the corporate. You don't worry about regulation. You don't need government. And yes, you go and disrupt it. Well, in this world, in the pollution world, uh, it is a one very very deep science. So you need access to labs. You need uh, access to not normal labs. You need access to very world quality labs. Second part, you need access to a lot of scientists to validate what you're saying. Third part is you need access to large corporates to buy and do a trial of your solution, which you are building it up. So I see it is a a side a lot of science, deep science is needed. B side is like a B two B enterprise tech. You have a large sales cycle. You have a very slow process, but once you crack it, you can really make it big. So how do you create the ecosystem? Right, uh, just the fund won't solve it. So that's why we decided to build a network, which we call Gen, called Go Massive Earth Network. And Go Massive Earth Network started with the idea of being a virtual incubator, went into this. That's why it evolved. So we end up having tires with lot of labs, lot of scientific labs, 
bringing a lot of mentors from the science scientific community, getting corporates as part of our platform, and then taking the deal further. So that's what we did. So in the uh, the first thing which we have been doing in this was to establish Go Massive Earth Network as the what you call incubating platform, not only with money, but also with the validating ideas, proof of concept processes, and engagement with the whole uh, lot of uh, uh, new kind of money. The other interesting part we are trying to do is like every engine network, we are trying to bring angels. And angels, when they come, they not only come with the money, they also come with their hold of connection, their experience and their own learnings. And which is making the whole sector ready. The agenda is that in a year, two years time, we might have done some 10, 15, 30 deals and that will pave the way for what you call creating a large fund. So that's where we are. Got it. So what it sounds like is that you are uh, through Massive, you're actually building multiple layers of the ecosystem yourselves, either yourselves or putting together a coalition of the willing, so to speak, who are uh, uh, both willing to give advice, but also buy from companies who might be in this space and uh, and eventually help them scale up. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Because we are the first one. So unfortunately, I would have liked somebody else to do that. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but the point is how you build up. Somebody has to do that. And you have to evangelize the sector. And I think that is showing uh, what you call a lot of advantage. Uh, we have seen some deals happening right now where a lot of like-minded people are coming in. And since we are building this whole platform, it is helping up. I think in a year's time, we will be far more mature than what we are today. And that's really helpful. So you mentioned something interesting, which is that it took... Uh, some U.S. investors to come in in 2010 to recognize the e-commerce opportunity. So if you were to look at the the climate, sustainability, air pollution or pollution space overall and compare it to what happened in U.S., what happened in China, it seems like there was at least there the starting point was energy and then it went into all the other sectors of the economy. How do you see the Indian ecosystem playing out? I think India ecosystem is also is going a little different. So first wave which came to India was more on the infrastructure side. So you have seen tons of deals happening in solar side, on windmills. So, uh, you know, the majority of the focus has been remained on the energy. But that is evolving and now it is going to the tech side. I think that's the very normal, uh, what you call evolution of any disruption or any, what you call, uh, innovation which happens. Even if you go to dot-com era, the first move or the big move was happening on the this uh, you know the company which are providing broadband the company which are providing this uh, optical fiber satellite a lot of things were happening there right and slowly slowly it moved, started moving from the infra to the pure tech play in the 2000 you know AOL was the big not Google in 2000 by 2003 or 4 Google has become very big not the AOL right so same way in this sector also the first movement came was by the this infra side uh, same way if you look back the whole clean tech era especially in 2007-8, it was pretty hot, right? Uh, with the ethanol, bioethanol, all this coming in. But I think that is also one, uh, what you call the first phase of the bubble. Every innovation, again, is preceded by a one very large bubble. And that happened, I think, that we have seen already. So that money got deployed, people, you know, came moved in the sector. And again, the bust happened, but the people remained. And over a period of time, a lot of other interesting things are coming in. I think that in India, the biggest thing which is coming in is the mobility, right? Nobody has assumed mobility to come in. Because India, you know, practically by mobility is a very broken country. There's hardly any public mobility. Uh, private mobility is very, very expensive. While majority of India is poor country. 
so so it was now it seems like an obvious why nobody was doing it before but i think before those connected apps those mobile those infra was not there to do that and today i think the mobility can become really really big uh, so shared mobility and now the how the electric rickshaws are coming look at the numbers today electric rickshaws in india are almost there 1 and 1/2 million to 2 million almost 20 to 30000 electric rickshaws being sold in this country every month is a very large number right almost a billion dollar worth of rickshaws being sold while the whole auto sector was having a slowdown so i think there's a very very large opportunity under this the other part i'm seeing is on the particular waste side again india has a serious waste problem is a serious issue right and i think the if you see the opportunity it's almost as big as the telecom sector look at mumbai mumbai produces almost 2.5 million liters of trash every day 2.5 million liter of you know sewage what does it do what what percentage is being treated you know i don't think people have really any idea you will be shocked to know that the percentage of waste this water being treated is zero not a single drop is treated the whole thing is just dumped in the sea how long it will go on uh, the government is already working on the tenders everything is coming and i think is again a billion dollar kind of a tender so this is opportunities here so one is the what you call the consumer side i think mobility is going to be, be big energy distributed energies uh, rooftop solar they are they are coming and growing very fast other opportunity might be in the industrial side which is about the sewage water treatment about the waste water treatment and all this so shelish uh, just like clean tech uh, 1.0 as you pointed out had a bubble and uh, are we seeing something similar potentially with what's happening with solar in india right now where governments and utilities are not able to fulfill their promises and purchase agreements do you see that as a temporary blip or is that something which is potentially can set the in- the industry back by many years a solar is very complicated i tell you energy is very very complicated i and i believe that a solar also is very complicated for one reason that uh, you know globally if you see solar is not one of the most reliable power solution right and any country if you want to grow you need to have a very very reliable power systems i think the majority of the solar boom is driven by again the government push and we have seen that the government push beyond a point cannot carry anything unless you have the whole robust infrastructure the other problem with the solar thing is you cannot launch a very proper solar system until unless your uh, tnd system is totally evolved the india uh, legacy transmission and distribution system is not even geared for solar right you will have the complete burnout it happen if you bring the load sector to a particular level because solar create a very very huge load on the transmission and distribution system you need a very very sophisticated system to handle that i think uh, if you really want to push on solar you have to do a tnd reforms without transmission distribution reform done i do not see solar going anywhere so that is there right uh, other thing is that solar has this stability challenges so i believe that solar lot of talks will happen on solar but i do not see solar uh, you know moving to next phase without having some kind of meltdown again so that might be scenario i don't know okay and so which kind of brings up to my uh, next question which is what do you see as the role of uh, policy and politics and where i'm coming from is that there has definitely been some some movement on both maybe more on the policy side but do you see them as a leading indicator or a lagging indicator of what's going to happen in india see globally what happens that the innovation always precede policy that is the rule right uh, very rarely the policy precede innovation 
but what we also seen that the when the if so there are three scenarios right uh, in any market what is the great team market team market and policy if you have a great team great market and great policy you have magic paytm <laughs> right policy right. in place team was great market is ready right but if you have a uh, even a great team great market but very messed up policy you know what you what you have you have called telecom right so total messed up so the policy is very important but the problem is the policy will always come later on uh, we can't expect the policy to what you call uh, come before because it kind of start uh, directing the innovation in a particular manner which is not very very required but the infrastructure side the policy will come in but i do not think that the policy should, like say look at e rickshaw right they have grown like crazy despite any policy there is no policy on the e rickshaws there is a some uh, battery subsidy etc it comes but when it comes when it won't come nobody knows but it's growing like a weed so i think uh, policy is important but before that policy the proper what you call ecosystem is much more important and policy is trying very hard but the point is lot of time policy create lot of challenges then what you call large players start coming in and when they come in then they ensure that the no innovation happens my belief is that the the, the way large company can handle uh, innovation is through policy you know regulation is their only weapon <laughs> against innovation and when the policy start driving everything the big corporates are able to uh, divert or what you call uh, influence policy in a much more severe manner than a small company can manage and that is not a good idea and is is that also the reason why you think that there hasn't yet been a startup unicorn in the renewable energy space in india despite being uh, probably one of the leading nations in the world you uh, had the uh, i think uh, suzlon was the probably the first unicorn which went went up and went down <laughs> right but think of it right it was again driven by lot of debt lot of uh, government contracts everything else so that's why the startup could do not come in and any with the whole uh, renewable uh, area in india has been more of driven by the infrastructure and the large government contracts and which is not an area where the startups can play and what do you think about the role of politics and i say that uh, we are literally a week away from the delhi elections air pollution seems to be maybe finally featuring as an electoral issue you think uh, there is uh, india is now ready for taking issues which are about sustainability about environment and making them relevant to politics i think politicians as per se are very very sensitive to what people want right uh, because there is a risk in the game they have to get votes i think the people itself are not very sensitive about it they are very muddled they are very complicated i remember one of the very uh, entrepreneurs i was uh, working with right and he 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 made good money and he was th- telling me that you know air pollution this is a rich man's problem <laughs> who cares so this kind of attitude i doubt what will happen i think uh, majority of thing is how to get the narrative right how to the other problem with this whole uh, you know uh, thing is that it moves into very hyper zone once it moves in very hyper zone it's very difficult the some people become very very what you call a staunch uh, follower and some people become very staunch uh, anti uh, that agenda and it confuses everybody i think pollution the more problem towards pollution is with the media rather than the politics and having said that i think the uh, pollution air pollution is still not a issue in the delhi election i don't think anybody really talking about it really caring about it i have written a long post about it like why delhi cannot clean its air and i still believe it i doubt the government will be able to clean it they have no capability <laughs> let me put it very straight right no i think that's a very frank assessment and i think you're right that at least the groundswell 
for Delhi elections right now has many issues, but uh, air quality seems to be still probably something which is confined to a smaller, much smaller subset of voters. Correct. So if I uh, so if I switch back to the investing space, and if you put on your uh, massive investor hat, what kind of a lens do you use to find companies? And is that just a returns focused uh, lens? Do you look at impact as well? What's your thinking? So I I have very what you call controversial approach on this. <laughs> I think whatever people say impact at one side and the returns at the one side at a massive and whatever we are doing. Our focus is only on returns. Why returns? Because we believe this has to become very large. It has to become a large problem, right? And large solution. If you want, do not create a large solution, nothing will happen. And if you create a large solution, it can only happen if you look for a very large return, right? Long back, somebody asked Mark Anderson of A16Z about impact investing. He's, he said it is like a houseboat. You know, entrepreneurs are very sharp people, but no entrepreneur can work if you give him two houses to chase. So he said, uh, it's like, say, building a houseboat. Houseboat is neither a great house, is neither a great boat, right? And nobody can do that, that you build a mediocre house, mediocre boat. So idea is you get either a great house or a great boat. Now, what we do, we focus on the company which are really solving it, right? Like say the company we have, which is only solving for the electric rickshaw. Now, if this company becomes large, say they have a million rickshaws running, obviously the impact will be there, right? Because the fundamental business model was designed towards what you call solving pollution. So obviously it will get solved. Now, if I say in every monthly MIS, if I ask this guy how many kilometer or, you know, volume of CO2 you have removed, it will confuse him. His team will not be able to monitor. You know, it is very, what you call, very uh, surrogate uh, monitoring. The idea is you focus on the core thing. Okay, you have to create so much of sales. You have to create so much top line and this is the way you do. And that's what the revenue generate. I think if you do that, I think we can create it. The biggest challenge with the whole impact or climate thing has been because of this, where everybody talks about impact and say, okay, we are down good with the uh, you know low returns. When you talk of that, entrepreneurs' mind it says, okay, returns doesn't matter. Let me focus on impact. And what happens then? Everybody makes it a very lifestyle business, very small business, and everybody's happy, right? You attend conferences, you talk big, right? You go back, but your business remains a tiny business. It doesn't create any impact in the long term. And that is element tragedy. The other problem, when you do this discussion, what you does, every guy, every investor marks you as a grant, marks you as a philanthropy. And nobody writes you a billion dollar philanthropy check. People write a philanthropy check of a $5 million, $200,000, $500,000. There's a one big award called $100 million, but that is the one in the world. Compare that to the VC world. How much money is written off? Almost 60% of money is written off. Every year, 150 billion goes into VC world, right? Out of that 150 billion or 110 billion or whatever, almost 60% gets written off. That is almost 60 to 70 billion dollars being written off every year. Compare that to impact investing. How much money goes there? How much being written off? Nothing. Both are on the same boat, right? Uh, VC would also generate extremely poor returns. It also, the probability of very high returns are just 10%. But 90% still are very poor, right? So at least impact investing by just staying on the day one that I will not generate high return, you know, remove all this capital. And that has choked the supply of capital. And once you choke the supply of capital, what happens? You anyway choke the supply of innovation. Because at the end of innovation is, you know, PhDs per square foot who are doing this job. Look at Uber, you know, raise $16 billion. Is making money? No. 
But the same bad guy, if he's doing the same thing, he'll be very apologetic about it. He'll say, oh, no, you know, we don't make money. We just make 10% return over a 10 years period. Everybody makes 10% return. What's the big deal about it? So I think that is the biggest damage the impact investors are doing. That is the biggest uh, narrative which needs to change. The main thing has to come that we are doing this and we are doing it at a large scale. Mm. Fascinating. And I think uh, you're right that this is definitely a controversial view because I think outside of... Uh, the capitalism-friendly parts of sustainability, there are things like resilience, adaptation, how to get uh, focus on livelihoods of farmers who are dependent on monsoon rains, etc., which are also climate change and sustainability focused. But I guess what, you, what I'm hearing from you is that that may be the focus of policy, that may be the focus of multilateral institutions. But from a venture standpoint, the, uh, mixing the two, impact and returns, is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I tell you, I will give you an example of this uh, thinking of multilateral, uh, you know, uh, departments, how they're doing. Now, what is happening? Like, I will give, look at energy, right? Energy is the most important part of our daily life. The cost of power in US is close to 2 cents to 3 cents, right? Per unit. Maximum, it goes to 5 cents per unit. What is in India is around 10 to 12 cents. You know, what is in Africa? Africa energy costs are above 50 cents per unit. Wow. At 50 cents per unit, which business will be viable? <laughs> Nothing, right? Even a floor mill will be very costly. And this is the uh, cost uh, supported, no, not supported, uh, by recommended by uh, World, World Bank. Because World Bank <laughs> think that, okay, suboptimal solution is okay. Uh, you need not do a scale. You have to build a very small community and you have to recover all your costs. And 50 cents per unit, that is 35 rupees a unit electricity, right? Which business will be viable? And that's why it's happening because nobody's thinking on the scale. If you think, okay, my job is to give this customer at a five cents a unit, it will solve. We are using Uber, we are using Flipkart because they're cheaper. Cheaper, faster, better, right? So that's a great point, which kind of uh, makes me ask the question differently, which is if you look at the whole uh, chain of the different points when an entrepreneur would need capital, then sometimes, especially in the early stages, where the concept is still at a prototype stage, still hasn't been deployed widely. Do you think uh, venture capital is still the right kind of capital to come in at that stage? Or maybe that is the place where impact capital, even multilateral institutions maybe have a role to play? Yeah, again, I have a very controversial view. Generally, people have been talking of grant and this. I think that that is, again, a very recipe for disaster. Right. Uh, what happened in a normal startup phase? A lot of money is given on your PPTs, on your ideas, right? Plain idea, plain PPT, people give you money. Same way should be here. What happens when you the grant money comes in? Grant money comes with more agenda than VC money. You know, VC money is a very simple money. They just give you money and they say, okay, get me a second round done and get me follow this metrics to be done. Grant money goes into a different horizon altogether. They, and what happened that they, what you call, uh, change the DNA of the startup at that point of time, or they give a direction to the startup, which is in long term not sustainable. So it practically kills it. So this grant money put the focus in a very different direction altogether. My belief is the risk capital should be there from the day one, should remain till the end one. The moment you start mixing grants, aid, debt, at a very early stage, it changed the DNA. Very interesting. And... Uh... Uh, given that the typical fund cycle for in the venture space is only seven to 10 years, if you have technologies or solutions that require more gestation period than that, how would venture still be the right solution for them? 
See, look at this way. Every fund today, uh, people realize in venture world, seven years is also not sufficient. You need to have 10 years, right? Uh, we have done close to four funds and every four fund, we realize that 10 to 12 years is the right word. But if you see a life cycle of a company, right? There are multiple events keep on happening, which is every two years of funding happen. So that means the exit opportunity keep on opening every three, four years. So even if you have 15 year, you know, technology period or 18 year period, but if your company is growing and building a scale, the probability exit will come either through series B, series C or series D. And that's the critical part. Got it. That's a great point. So I think a fund will get an opportunity to exit, right? Because angels do not remain till series E. Angels get out at series A. Series A guys get out at series C. <laughs> series C guys get out at IPO, right? So the, the point is how you organize your capital structure, right? That is the more critical part. That part nobody address. Everybody says, oh, when you will get in, you will get out. It is not an R&D money. The other thing is that, right? Nobody is asking for R&D capital. R&D capital is separate. They are DARPAs of the world, you know, government grants who are building various different technologies. But a lot of this consumer-focused technologies, which they are sitting on the sidelines, they are very willing to come in. And I do not think they need five years, six years of precision. If they need, then then probably, you know, they are for the grants market only. They are not for here. Understood. And uh, my last question with your investor hat on, which is, uh, this is uh, a massive opportunity, right? Uh, and it's very much implied in the name itself. And yet, uh, you're almost the only fund of its kind right now. Uh, and it seems like just to get the ecosystem jump started, you need a lot more action from a lot more of the traditional venture and uh, non-venture pools of money. And if you were to convince them to get into this space, uh, what argument would you use? Would you? How would you uh, say that the time is ripe now for uh, a fund like an Axel or a Sequoia or large private capital pools of capital to jump into this space right now? I think uh, that is already happening. <laughs> so almost a, almost 10 days back, Sequoia announced that, that they are looking for you know, startups to, you know, in climate space. That was US, right? Not India. India India always have a lag of two or three years, uh, but it, it follows, right? Uh, and anyway, Indian opportunities always discovered by US guys first. <laughs> but I am saying that if you see, uh, no fund has a dedicated what you call uh, name for it or announcement for it. But if you see the deal-wise, a lot of deals are happening. Bloom has done Bloom has done a couple of deals. They invested in a carbon uh, solution company. They invested into a mobility company. They invested in electric rickshaw company. Uh, Excel has done bounce, right? So everybody is doing some or other deals. Uh, nobody is saying that okay, we are focused on climate change. But if you see a lot of companies which are doing stuff related to climate change or pollution, uh, they are getting money. Whether it's agriculture or whether it is mobility or whether it is energy. A uh, lot of IoT companies who are uh, in conserve, conservation space for energy have raised money. So I think it's already happening. So you can see that trickling effect, you know, the green shoots. So green shoots are already visible in the market right now. And I think if you, uh, the pitch for what you're asking me, the pitch is very simple, right? Uh, uh, this is the right time uh, for moving this sector. Uh, because in every uh, where, uh, the the innovation itself is dead, right? Uh, the probability of creating innovation in say internet is over. It is I I say internet is like now a cement sector, right? There are three big daddies: Google, Amazon, Facebook. Everything which you do, the eighty percent of your capital will go to them. So it is in a maturity space. The new sector which are going to come in is climate change. Because why? Because climate change is almost like a 
engineering problem. Your today, your energy creates more pollution than it was supposed to do. Your vehicle emits more CO2 than it's supposed to do. So probably you need a better technology, better engineering, and then you just take off. And that is the pitch we have. Great. And uh, when you look at the companies uh, and entrepreneurs in this space right now, are there some classic mistakes that you see them making that if they if they were to hear this podcast, uh, that you would tell them to watch out for? Yeah, I think uh, that's a very good question you asked. I really wanted you to ask this. Uh, I think the biggest mistake in this sector is happening that they are all becoming kind of activists. <laughs> I think uh, 2006, I go back again. A uh, lot of things happened because the mentors in that era were pretty, uh, you got what you got real mentors. The guys who are really built companies, who are done how to scale companies. Every, those kind of people are advising you or guiding you. Right behind all these entrepreneurs, you see very solid mentors who have helped them to navigate this tough part of entrepreneurship. Right, what is happening into this climate change pollution or impact, so to speak? The majority of the mentors are either coming very hardcore academia, or they are coming from what you call this uh, philanthropies or from these multilateral agencies who have no experience of businesses and who have very strong opinion on this side. So what happened that majority of these company? think that they are doing a great impact, they're doing a great job, right? And they keep on drifting towards what you call being an activist side rather than being a business side. At the end of the day, it's a pure business, right? You are building a company, you are scaling it up. So all the laws of the normal startup world of business applies. It's not something difficult and probably it's much harder because, you know, your problem is also much tougher. Uh, but unfortunately, they keep on navigating that side and they become activist or they become, they are sucked into this, what I call the award circuit. Every every quarter, every month, there some award happens for this sector. And everybody just <laughs> so I see some startups where the founder is not even available to meet, right? Because he or she is traveling every month to some other country to receive some award from some UN or somebody, some somebody, some. So how you run your company, right? <laughs> I think that's the biggest challenge, and there's a huge challenge. So if I'm a if I'm an angel investor uh, potentially looking at this space. And obviously, there's so much going on and I'm an outsider. Would you recommend that uh, I join the the network and uh, start seeing deal flow there? Or what's the first step that I should take? I think, uh, yeah, if you are an angel investor or you are a person who are passionate about this area, I will strongly suggest you to join the network for a simple reason, because uh, you will get access to the whole deal flow. You also understand the lay of the land, how the deals are coming, what are the common mistakes people are doing. And what are deals to opt for? Because today, uh, after spending almost two years in this, we have a fair understanding of the environment, right? And uh, what looks good, what what is glossy, what is not, and what are the really uh, great deals. So I think that will be a great uh, way to start with, right? And you can only monitor deals you need not even invest. Uh, you just see how the deals are evolving. And then probably once you are ready, then make the investments. Got it. Thank you, Shalish. This has been so helpful. And I think it uh, really helps to have uh, both a very informed opinion and also a controversial opinion to kickstart any podcast. So I'm glad we, we got you on board. <laughs>